Well, great. Good to see everybody today, and what an honor to be have the privilege of sharing the Word of God today. Your pastors, Pastor Jay and Stacy, have been such great friends to my wife and I, Tessie and I, for almost 30 years. He came to work for my dad many years ago, and, and we were able to be on the same leadership team together as pastors on staff, and um, you know, we're about the same age, and um, you know, both named Jay. I'm just the better looking one out of the two. But um, anyway, we, uh, we had kids together. In fact, his oldest, Tyler, and my son were in the same grade. Um, you know, the next one, we were in the same grade. Bryce, Reese, same grade. Uh, I just didn't get the memo that he, we were three and out. Um, he, he bailed out at three. I had five five boys and um and so jay on the other day he posted pictures of the new grandbaby i'm sure you probably heard of her uh by now but um he finally got his his little girl well on december the 14th last year i got my little girl now not like his mine's a little different my oldest son got married so i have a daughter-in-law so i finally got my little girl. But anyway, come on, give it up for your pastors today. Jay and Stacy. I, I got to tell this quick story before we get started. I was in Southern Africa about six years ago in a town, in a country called Swaziland. And a friend of mine that was there was doing some missionary work and some leadership training. He said, there's a Brazilian steakhouse in Swaziland. Can you believe it? Wonderful restaurant. Let's go. We went to have dinner there one night. The lady came to take our order and she didn't have an African, uh, an African slang to her. She had a Louisiana slang. I know that language. And I said, girl, where are you from? She says, well, obviously I'm from the U.S. She says, but I'm from Louisiana. I said, I knew it. I said, where in Louisiana are you from? She said, well, I guarantee you, it's a place you've never heard of. I said, well, I'm from Louisiana. I know a lot of places. I've been there all my life. Where? She says, in fact, if you know where this place is, I'll give you an appetizer. I said, what is it? She said, dry prong, Louisiana. I said, you have got to be kidding. I know half the people over there. I know Jay and Stacy. That's about half right there. I said, I know half the people. I said, now I know all of them. Um, but anyway, uh, we would tease Coleman. We call him Coleman because there were so J T uh, two J's. We tease Coleman all the time about being from Dry Prong. But they were they're such a, a blessing to our life, and I'm honored to be here in his place today. Um, just want to thank all of the staff that just treated us with uh, with such great kindness and great hospitality. Um, I haven't been here and since the reconstruction from the flood and the addition. And uh, I know the coffee shop just opened up here maybe a month or so ago. And I follow Pastor Jay on, on Instagram or whatnot. And, and um, what a true, what a blessing to be here today. And uh, give all the church families a big hand today for just your love, your support for the body of Christ here. Let's get into the word today. Father, we thank you for an opportunity to share your word. Father, let your word become alive. Father, take these next few moments that we have together Holy Spirit, speak to our life. Father, if we walked in here heavy, heavy burden, Father, I thank you that our burden would be light. Father, if we walked in here with all the heaviness of life, Father, we can deposit that here and take your burden, which is light. Father, we give you thanks. Father, let the word 
work on our heart. Father, may we become more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me tell you about my fourth son named Micah. Micah's a sophomore in high school today. Micah is the kind of guy that he is self-disciplined to the umpteenth degree. He's the kid that we've not checked on his homework or any assignments since he left the first grade. He does all of his homework all of the time. He's very studious, very intelligent. He is self-disciplined. He makes all A's. He's 4.0. In fact, of my five boys, I like him the most. I mean, he's <laughs> hands down. He just has it. Recently, we bought a mattress. They were supposed to bring it on a Friday. They actually showed up on a Thursday. They called me. I wasn't even in Lafayette. Pastor Jay, we came a day early, thought you'd love that. I'm like, no. I scheduled that for tomorrow. Nonetheless, let me see who's home. I called the house. Micah answers the phone. We call him Mega Mike. Mega Mike answers the phone. I said, Mega Mike. I said, there's a truck in the front yard that's delivering a mattress. This is simple, son. Open the door. Show them the bedroom. They're going to take the old out, bring, bring in the new, lock the door when they leave. You got it? Got it. I mean, come on. It's Mega Mike. 4.0 student. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> I've been about my business, whatever I was doing. About 10 minutes later, my phone rings. I look at myself, Mega Mike. I said, he's probably calling me to tell me everything's fine. Hey, man, everything got it? Well, not exactly. I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, the guy in there doing the mattress and putting the bed together needs a wrench. He didn't have the right wrench, the right size. I'm like, okay, great. Go to my shop and get the wrench. What kind of wrench does he need? He says, well, that's what I don't understand. That's what I'm calling you. He, he wants some kind of Makia wrench. I'm like, what? Yeah, she's hard to understand, Dad. I, I'm not real sure. I said, I don't even know what a Makia wrench is. Uh, put it on speakerphone, son. Let me talk to the gentleman. Puts it on speakerphone. I said, hey, sir, this is, this is Mr. Miller here. Uh, what kind of wrench are you looking for? He said, I'm looking for an Allen wrench. I'm like, oh, give the phone back to my son. I said, Mike, he wants an Allen wrench, son. Do you know what an Allen wrench is? He goes, uh, I think so. I'm like, oh, here we go. I said, go to my shop. Top drawer on the right, pull open the drawer. There's some wrenches in there. An Allen wrench kind of looks like a seven. It's going to be bundled together with a bunch of different things, different sizes. One's going to be black. One's going to be red. Red's going to be metric. Black's going to be standard. He probably wants a standard. Find the black one, son. <laughs> he goes in there. He's like, he opens the drawer. This is all I hear. Wow. <laughs> I'm like, wow, what? Wow. Look at all these tools. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I said, do you see the Allen? And I can hear him banging, clanging. He said, well, uh, no, this and that. I'm like, go to FaceTime. So we FaceTime. I got video. I'm video conferencing him here. And he's showing me the video. I'm like, and there's so many tools. I, I said, just empty out the whole drawer. He goes, oh, I found it. And he opened up just a regular pair of pliers. But when you open them up all the way, it kind of makes a seven. He goes, I think I got it. I'm like, oh, my God, son. This is getting, so it, it went, you know, so many levels of emotion I was going through here. I mean, I was mad and frustrated, and he kept holding out screwdrivers and drills, and I'm like, it got so bad, it just got funny. 
Finally, he found the Allen wrench. I said, bring it to the man. Hurry, son. Hurry before I kill us all here. I hang up, and I just start crying. I'm like, God, I have failed as a father. My kid get a 4.0, but he don't know what a daggum Allen wrench is. Help us. Here's my point. Today I'm going to talk to you just for the next few moments on emptying out the drawer. Emptying out the drawer. In the month of June, I spend a lot of time reading the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is filled with wisdom and knowledge. The Bible talks about how that wisdom is the principal thing. If you seek anything, seek wisdom. Solemn asked for anything. He could have asked for anything. He says, I want wisdom. Because if I get wisdom, then I can, everything else will fall into place. And so I'll spend the month of June reading Proverbs through all my devotion. I'll read as many chapters every morning as I can. Some days I'm able to knock out five or six, sometimes ten, sometimes one, just depending on the day, the time, and, and, what, the, and what the moment has. But I digest the book of Proverbs. And while I was reading the proverb, something became very evident. Over, I began to see it over and over. And that thought is this. What you hold on to determines the outcome of your life. What you hold on to is going to determine what happens to you. I remember buying a red pickup truck about 10 years ago. I bought a Ford F-250 diesel red pickup truck to pull my white and red boat. Man, was I sight. I thought, my God, what a beautiful looking outfit here. You know how many, I didn't think anybody owned a red truck in Lafayette until I bought one. Do you know that my neighbor, two doors down, had a red pickup truck? I never saw it. You know when you buy something, you never saw it, and then you buy it, now everybody's got one? That's the same thing. When I saw this principle, now I see it all the time in Scripture. In fact, it's so blatant in Proverbs. I was seeing it every day, every day. I was seeing this red pickup truck. What you hold on to will determine your tomorrow. Let's look at a, a, few, um, a, a few words here, a few scriptures in, in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 14. God never said that. Okay. Um, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 30. Can we throw that up there, there? A peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. What is he saying? If you hold on to peace, your future will be one of health. Do you see that? Hold on to peace. Watch this. Hold on to jealousy. It'll eat you up like cancer. What you hold on to is going to determine your tomorrow. All of a sudden, you see it everywhere. Go to the next one. Listen to my instruction and become wise. Hold on to instruction. Hold on to the word and become wise. What you hold on to is what you will one day become. What you hold on to will determine your tomorrow. Go to the next one. Proverbs 9, 11. Wisdom 
hold on to wisdom, it will multiply your days and add years to your life. Wisdom. Hold on to wisdom. Hold on to knowledge. Over and over every day, that same concept sticking out of the Word of God. Go to the next one. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Hold on to loyalty and kindness. What does that mean? When there's a lot of traffic, let that person in. Been having their blinker on for 20 minutes, let them in. That's what that means. Because one day it's going to be you with the blinker and you're going to want to get in. Let them in, right? Let loyalty and kindness, never let it leave you. In fact, guard them so much that you tie them around your neck to remind you and write them deep within your heart over and over and over. You begin to see this pattern. What it is you hold on to will determine your tomorrow. Oftentimes we hold on to the wrong things in our life. We feel justified. We feel right. It feels good sometimes to hold on to the wrong things in our life. But remember, what you hold on to will determine your tomorrow. Some of the things that we hold on to, just for illustration purposes, hurt, worry, guilt, unforgiveness, our past. A lot of times we we hold on to all of this stuff. And then we wonder why God's not depositing fresh ideas. God's not doing something new, fresh, a new vision, a new thing in our heart and life. And most of the time it's because God can't get it to us because we're already filled with so much stuff in our life. Recently I was praying and as I was praying the Lord just began to give me a kind of a a little vision of future for our ministry. I began to write down some thoughts that I'd never had before. That's how I knew it was the Spirit of God just speaking to me down here on the inside. I began to write this vision, and when I finished writing over the next few days, I began to realize that that vision was bigger than me. That was going to take more than me to pull this off. In fact, it was going to take a whole lot of God. It was bigger than me. It was bigger than our staff. It was bigger than our budget. I knew that this vision would take hundreds of thousands of dollars to pull off. And it would have to be God. God gave me the vision. The Bible says in Corinthians that God places inside of us the will to do his good works, his pleasure. So God gave me the thing. So I'm praying one day. And I was praying about this vision. And, you know, this is six months into the Six months into this thing that God birthed inside of me, and I'm seeing nothing, no movement towards it. So I'm praying to him. I said, God, you're going to have to do this. God, you're going to have to do this. And and I just felt the Lord speak to me again. And he says, I can't do that. And I thought, well, that's strange. You're the one that placed that vision inside of me. Now you're telling me you can't do it? Then why did you give it to me was my next thought. He said, no, you don't understand. I can't give you that. Because there's no room for it. Because there's some things in your life I need you to get rid of. I need you to get out so that I can do that thing. 
when the Holy Spirit deposited that word in me, immediately I knew exactly what the Holy Spirit was wanting to do in my heart. I'll give you the backstory. Four years prior, some close friends of ours really said some things, really, really did some things that really hurt our family. We took it personal. It hurt. It was, it, 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 it was ugly. It, it, was, it was devastating. It hurt us deeply. Friends of 30 plus years. We didn't know, did anything wrong. And we just felt the pain from all that. And, and I kept all that inside. The unforgiveness. That part of it. You know, when you intentionally hurt someone, man, and you're the reciprocate of that, it really hurts deep, and I have all that out. You know, the Bible says, I've come to fill your life with good things. Go to Psalms 103. He fills my life with good things. This picture here represents our life. God says, I want to fill your life with good things. How many enjoy when God fills your life with good things? Don't we all? Because God has, the Bible says, how does a father know how to give good gifts to his son? If you as an earthly father know how to do it, imagine a heavenly father. He knows exactly what to get you and when to get it. God says, I want to fill your life with good things. But too often we're holding on to the wrong things. We hold on to the hurt. They hurt me. They did it intentionally. I'll never let it down. We were friends for 30 years. And you know what? They intentionally did that. They talked about me. They didn't invite me to the party. They didn't celebrate my birthday. I celebrated her birthday every year. She didn't even give me a card. And man, it just hurts. We keep that. We worry. We worry about tomorrow. We worry about our kids. We worry about our future. We worry about all these things. Guilt. The enemy brings up all the guilt. You're never going to make it in life. You're never going to do anything. We can't trust you. You know what? You always drop the ball. You never come through all that guilt unforgiveness they hurt they talked about me they talked they said this they said that we keep all that the past all the past mistakes all the past things that someone did uh, walking and operating and all this unforgiveness and next thing you know our life is filled with all of this stuff remember what you hold on to will determine your tomorrow and here's my life filled with all this stuff and the Lord spoke to me and said, until you get rid of some of this, I can't get it to you. And I knew exactly what he was talking about. He was talking about the unforgiveness in my heart. And I, been, I, I remember being in my office and I, I dropped to my knees and I said, God, I need you more than I need to hold on to this unforgiveness. Sometimes when we hold unforgiveness, we feel like we're keeping them in bondage. Because if we forgive them, we're going to let them go free. And there'll be no consequences for their actions. And, and really by keeping them in bondage, as we think, they're actually the ones that are free. And it's us that we're holding in bondage ourselves. And so that's where it was. I, in the advent of cell phones and smartphones and apps, we don't check the mail as much as we used to. In fact... A lot of our bills are paperless. I get an email. I touch my one button on a phone. We pay bills online. Touch of a phone. We check our bank accounts with our phones. We never 
you know, I, get, I, I don't even get monthly statements from my account in the mail anymore. It's all paperless. We never check our mail. The only thing we get in, check, in, in mail is junk mail. And during political season, we get all those postcards for all the people running. That's all we get. The reason, the, the way we know to check our mail is because the mail's sticking out the little thing and you can't close the lid. And I'm like, ah, oh, Mega Mike, go check the mail. You can handle that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and so the other day, the, the post lady pulls up in her truck and I thought, oh, we must have a big package or something. She's, you know, and they pull up when they have something big. She goes, Mr. Miller, how are you? I said, fine. She goes, can you do me a favor? I said, sure. I thought maybe she needed, it was hot. It was in the summer. I thought maybe she needed a cold bottle of water, come in, use a restroom, I, you know, whatever. I said, yeah, how can I help you? She goes, could you go empty your mailbox? <laughs> I said, oh, I, I was embarrassed. I said, I'm, I'm sorry. I said, we do a horrible job of checking the mail because it's always junk mail. I, I apologize. I said, look, I'm going to go do that right now. She says, well, no, I get it. No, be embarrassed about it. She says, I do the same thing oftentimes. She says, but I just wanted, the reason I'm asking you to do this, she says, on my dash is the last four days of your mail. I can't put it in the box. It's been on my dash. I just happened to see you today. I don't want it. And she handed me four days worth of mail into my hand. That thought came back. Oftentimes, I believe that God has things that he wants to deposit in your life. He wants to deposit those good things. But because we never empty out all of the junk in our box of life, he can't put it in there. There's no room. But I'm here to tell you, if you'll start getting rid of the junk, get rid of the stuff in your life and say, God, you know what? You can have it. You can have all this unforgiveness. You can have all of this worry, all of this guilt that the enemy puts me in, all this unforgiveness to those that have hurt me, all of my past. God, I empty myself out God, now I am a vessel available for you to fill me with the good things of God. Come on, give him praise today if you receive that. Sometimes we take, we hold things that don't even concern us. I'll explain it this way. There's a friend of mine that we go to lunch probably three or four times a month. That's almost once a week. It's a lot. And we'll go to eat lunch together once a week and just chit-chat about life and school and, and, and work and we, hobbies. We play hobbies together, motorcycles together, golf. I mean, it's just we always done life together. He starts talking about someone that he doesn't know that I know. Not only do I know the person, I know that situation he's talking about. Before I could catch him, he really put a bunch of bullet holes in my friend. Said a lot of things about my friend that weren't true at all. In fact, his version of the story was a very skewed version. And I stopped him and I said, sir, I said, hey, I know about that situation. That's not at all what happened. It didn't go down that way. I don't know if you know that. He goes, well, that's the version I heard. And that's the version I believe. I got so mad. Let me just tell you. Weeks went by. And he would, his phone would call me at 1130. If 
about the time he'd see if I had time for lunch. So when he called me at that 11.30, 12 o'clock hour, I knew what he was asking. I would send him to voicemail. I did that for eight months. I did not want to talk to him, not because he offended me, but because he offended a friend, and I took that offense personally. It had nothing to do with me. Nothing to do with me at all. But I kept that. I remember seeing him at Lowe's on two specific occasions. And I acted like I didn't make eye contact with him. And I moved over several aisles and went to the other side of the store. So I wouldn't have to talk to this man. Oh, and by the way, I'm the pastor. Just to make sure y'all are clear. And as I'm praying and asking God to do these big things in my life, the Holy Spirit's saying, I can't get it to you because your life is filled with too many things that are taking the room of what I can give. Immediately I knew. I said, God, I'm going to fix it. I picked up the phone and I Looked for my contacts and I called him at the 11.30 mark. I said, hey, you got time for lunch? Let's go to lunch. And on that lunch, I asked him to forgive me for holding him at arm's length because of something he said. You know what? God has healed that relationship. I don't have to run from him at Lowe's anymore, praise God. <laughs> Why? Because I got rid of something and you know what? God is able to fill me and has filled me with the good things that he wants to bring in our life. Do you receive that today? Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. I'm going to close with this story, and this story really hits home. The story of Mary Johnson. Mary Johnson was the mother of only one son. Son, 17 years old. Mary Johnson didn't have a whole lot of money. As a single mom, she, everything she did and work was to pay the bills, put a roof on the head, uh, over their head, clothes on their back, food in their belly. She worked hard to provide just the bare necessities for her son. Her son was a brilliant kid, great in school, never a problem at home, great aspirations for that young man. She loved her son like only a mother could love. She knew that the future was bright. She was hoping that her son would one day not have to live like they have lived. She spent most of the extra money that she had to provide for him a new homecoming suit as he would go to his homecoming his junior year. He got all dressed in new shoes and new suit and new tie. She dressed him to the nines. Little did she know when he got into that limousine to go to his homecoming prom that that would be the last time Mary Johnson ever seed, seen her son alive. He goes to the prom and they're homecoming festivities and activities and king and queen and the dance and the DJ and he's just cutting up with his friends on the dance floor and O'Shea walks in drunk 
a scuffling match ensues and O'Shea gets run off. Get out of here, son, you're drunk. He goes to his truck that he came to the homecoming, pulls out his father's 357, walks back in, shoots into the crowd and hits one person, Mary Johnson's son. He was arrested, charged with second-degree murder. 30 years would be his prison sentence. A 17-year-old boy by the name of O'Shea from South Texas takes the life of an innocent child, the mother's only son. Before the gavel came down, the judge said, Miss Johnson, is there anything that you would like to say? And she said, yes. She gets up to the mic and she says, I want you to know. She points to O'Shea and says, that young man is a savage. And he needs to be caged. And I hope he spends every year of his 30 years in bars. So he doesn't have the chance to take from someone else what he's taken from me. That young man has taken everything that was precious and valuable to me in one moment. She turned and walked out of the courtroom. For the next 15 years, she never heard from, heard of O'Shea or anything. One day, Mary Johnson was praying and she said, God, here's the need. God, provide. God, restore whatever her prayer was. And she felt the Holy Spirit say, I can't. There's no room because of all the bitterness and all the hatred in your heart. Mary knew exactly what was the problem. She said, Lord, I'm going to fix it. She called the warden at the prison, asked for an audience with O'Shea. After many phone calls and finally the arrangement came where they would be face to face. O'Shea was now in his 30s. It was 17 years since she took the life of his her son, and she didn't even know if she would recognize him. She heard the chains and the guards and the doors slamming and the bells going off and the, 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 the doors being opened. And she walks in and she sees O'Shea. She says, I didn't know what I would respond. My heart was beating. The closer I heard those chains getting to this room where we would visit, my heart began to pound and beat. And she said, I didn't know what kind of emotion I would have. And O'Shea walked in. And she said, and tears came to my eyes. She says, I went and I hugged O'Shea. She says, and when I hugged O'Shea, it was like a dam broke. And all of 15 to 17 years of unforgiveness, pain, bitterness, resentment, hate, all just spewed from my body. She says in her book, From Death to Life, she says, he actually had to put his arms under mine to hold me up because everything came flowing out. We sat and talked. She leaves. She gets a phone call from the warden sometime later, maybe years later. And the warden says, ma'am, O'Shea is getting out of prison. That's the one that was convicted of killing your son. We looked at his records and no one has come to visit him 
in all of these years but you. He has to go to a halfway home to transition back to society. She says, what are you asking? He needs a place to go. She said, you can send him here. O'Shea moved in with Mary Johnson. Mary, a retired teacher, saw to it that at 37 years old, he got his GED, found a job, led him to the Christ. Today, Mary Johnson and O'Shea travel the world, travel the nation, from death to life, talking about God's redeeming power, how that God can transform a life if you give him all of the junk and let God fill it with the good things. Today they go and they speak to moms and dads who've lost sons or daughters through travesty, through gang violence, school shootings or whatever and give their testimony of what God can do. What happened, what started it off is when she realized I'm not holding onto this junk anymore. I'm letting it go. Today, the Holy Spirit is knocking on your heart's door and asking you the same thing. Are you willing to let it go so that I can deposit the good things that I have for you in your life? Today, all of us probably have something, portions, have things that we've held in our heart. And God says, if you'll get rid of it, I will be able to fill it with good things. Would you just lift a hand all over the house today? Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you today for an opportunity, Father, to share your word. Father, I pray for every hand raised today. Holy Spirit, we give you full reign to do what only you can do. Father, I thank you. We're releasing the stuff in our life that needs to be released, and we're making room for what you have. We ask this in your precious name. Amen and amen. I pray that you would continue to release that and let that word of God bring these things to pass. Come on, give it up for your pastor. Thank you, Journey. I love you. Amen, Blessings amen. to you. Amen. amen. Let's give Pastor Miller a hand clap. Amen. What a great word. You know, I don't know about you, but in each of the services, I've just felt like, man, I just want to hurry up and go home and honestly search my own heart. And how many of us in here, maybe, you know, that could be said of you. Maybe there's something in you cannot be placed inside of you from the Lord because there's so much in there already that needs to be emptied out. And I would encourage you at the end of the service, as we dismiss in just a moment, our prayer team is going to come up. I want to encourage you, if you have something going on, something you're, you're hanging on to, whatever it is, you be the judge of your own heart just come up and allow the Lord to work with you and in you and for you for your good and his glory amen listen I want to remind you all that tonight at at, at five o'clock we're having step our step two class and so if you've signed up for that or maybe you've never attended I want to encourage you to come it's called our grow class it's gonna be a great opportunity for you just kind of get connected with what we're doing here at journey church other than that why don't you stand up listen I want to just encourage you once again go and be a part of what God is doing in our community make his name known amen because listen remember we don't just go to church Amen. We love you guys. We'll see you all next week.